Welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And unlike last week, we are excited again. It's nice to win. Yeah. I like it. Feels winning. good to win. 2 and 0 on the week. Shocking. And obviously the big news coming from this week is that Nova Insider actually ordered our t-shirts. Yes. As everyone has been waiting for with bated breath, they're coming at some point. We don't yeah. know when, yeah. but they have been ordered. Yeah. We didn't order a lot, to be clear. Yeah. But we, we owe some people some t-shirts, so we'll get some people some t-shirts. That's right. Yeah. You'll get it around the time when Villanova finally loses this season. I mean, the... I'm trying to do some math here. That could be very quick. Yeah. <laughs> that could be, like, tomorrow. So you may want to backtrack on that promise. Just saying. Yeah. Fair enough. But that's um, what we do here. We so, just simply under... Overpromise and underdeliver const- right. constantly. Right. So, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. I mean, good week, two and a week. Yeah. Um, candidly, I mean, I, I don't think people really care about us talking about the Butler game all that much. Um, I was actually not surprised by how that result turned out. I thought we were going to blow up Butler. That had less to do with us and more to do with the fact that Butler fucking sucks. They're terrible. They're awful. And it seems like once we stopped. They're cutting and they're cutting and they're and the way they were setting picks and screens and getting cuts or whatever. Once we stopped that defensively, it was literally like our game plan was to just let them suck and yeah. suck they, miss, they missed so many shots and suck they did. There was ridiculous amounts of shots they missed. And yeah, obviously they got off to a hot start that slowed down pretty quickly, and then the second half was just absolutely stopped. Oh no, them. yeah, they were absolutely terrible. I mean, they were so bad that Javon Quinterly even played for a minute. Oh, my God. That's how bad they were. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second before we continue on with the podcast because that brings up an interesting point. Look, we've hit this point over and over and over again. If you listen to our last podcast, which Oh, I, wait, we've talked about Quinterly before? Yeah. Shit, I don't think our listeners have realized that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you listen to our last podcast, we talked about he didn't look good in his last couple of games, but... No. <laughs> and look... At this point, after this week and how this week turned out, it's very clear that Jay has a seven-man rotation that'll turn into a seven-plus, depending on the opponent, because Swider's back, which is huge. He played a big one minute as yeah. well. Yeah. Very impactful. So so Swider's back, Quinterly, obviously. Those guys aren't going to see more than ten minutes collectively yeah, there's in no any way. given game. There's no way. Don't Here expect it. Yeah. Here on out. Don't expect it. It is what it is. I'm not saying you have to like it, but it just is what's going to happen. No, I think Jay's playing time, Jay's minute dispersion this week is very much the answer to how it, how are the coming weeks going to play out. This is what it is. And, and he knows Jay's, where his guys are. And He's Jay's going to ride and ride or die with the yeah. guys that are those. Seven not changing guys. now. So no. we were we were wrong. It happens. You know. It, Pretty rarely, but uh, <laughs> looks like, looks like we got something wrong here. Jay seemed to disagree with us, yeah. shockingly. So I mean, we're not going to spend time complaining about it. We've already lodged our comments right. and whatever. It's just not worth it. No, nope, it is what it is. So if you came here to hear more bitching about minutes allocations, we're done. We we, we good enough. We we beaten our head against the wall like for literally hours on end. It's not happening. Yeah, we're done. And this is March. 
and Jay's decided what he's going to do, and so we're done. Yeah. So the good news is we have the big takeaway from the Butler game, in my mind, was the return of Philip Booth. Yes. He was like, oh, I decided to play basketball again. I know how to do this. And you know why? Because it's fucking March. That's right. And March Phil Booth is a powerful man. That's correct. I don't, yes. Did you know he scored 20 points in the national title game in yes. 2016? Yep. You were aware of that. I was people aware. Don't, people don't know that. People do forget it. People do forget. Yeah. We don't know who these people are, but <laughs> yeah. they forget it. Fox News seems to think people forget Fox it. News. <laughs> Fox News. Fox Sports. Oh, it's um, all the same. So, interesting that you bring that up because I was looking at this. Phil Booth's Villanova team. So, remember, Phil Booth after scoring 20 points in the national championship game and playing, like, the first two games of the 2017 season, sat out the rest of the year. Tendonitis. Um, due to tendonitis in yeah. his knee. Um, which is from, the reason from why... carrying the team in the national title game. That's correct. That's why. That's, That's why. right. Uh-huh. Well, well, uh-huh. well said. Nice. Well said. I'm, um, here, I'm here all week, folks. There you go. But Phil Booth's Villanova teams, so excluding 2017, are 27-2. and two. In the month of March. And that includes regular season, Big East tournament, and NCAA tournament games in the month of March. Now, obviously, in the Big East tournament and the NC and the, uh, and the NCAA tournament, once you lose, you don't get to play anymore. So it does limit the amount of right, losses right. you can have. But it's still pretty impressive. But the, the, the win total is the one to focus more on. Yeah. Because, remember, in 2015, the only game that we played that we lost was against NC State because we won the Big East tournament that year. Yep. And in 2016, we lost to Seton Hall in the Big East Championship yep. and then went on to win the NCAA tournament, as we all know. And uh, there's arguments to be made that if Jay Wright played more Phil Booth in 2015, that we could have won that NCAA Because he was hot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He we was could've... playing really well. Yeah, he was. And then late in the game, he... Jay put him on the bench because what does Jay do? He benches younger players. <laughs> yeah. In crunch time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Common theme here, looking yeah. back through the archives. Right. Which worked out for him in 2016 because he had Booth in over Brunson. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. So, whatever. You win some, you lose some, I guess. That's right. But that Seton Hall Big East Tournament law, championship loss in 2016 was the last time that a Phil Booth Villanova team lost a game in the month of March. Kind of crazy. That is absolutely outrageous. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, takeaway is, Phil Booth needs to keep playing like he did against Butler, and we'll be fine. Phil Booth has won 17 straight games in the month of March. And, of course, it can only be attributed to his talent. That's correct. We, a, we attribute a, those wins solely to, to Phil, Phil Booth. Yes. But it is pretty wild. It, it really, it's a great, it's a good stat. Three yeah. years. He yeah. hasn't lost in three years. That's pretty good. In the month of March. Now, obviously, we're not banking on that happening this year, but if he shoots, what did he shoot against Butler? Eight for 12, yeah. four for seven from three? He's like, yeah, all right, that, that'll help the team. Yeah. Go back to heater in January, Phil Booth, and hey, we got a shot here. Yeah. And just to be clear, when I say month of March, I'm also including April because. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Because that's so, where true winners play their games. That's correct. And we are true winners. Um, so yeah, March Phil Booth is a good Phil Booth. Yeah. And it was a very good Phil Booth yesterday. Yeah. 28 points in his final home game of his career. And a fitting end. A I fitting, think. yeah. A fitting end. And and to be fair to everyone else around the team, and I think we'll pivot off of Butler and, and focus more on Marquette. Fair to everyone else on the team, even though, again, it was a Booth and Pascal show. Pascal had 12, 5, and 5, so a really good filled up the stat yeah, box. Nice. Um, 
is that it was a pretty well-rounded victory, actually. It's not to say that we got double-digit points out of anyone other than Bay. Yeah. Um, who continues to be a, just a freshman that is beyond his years. Right? Hey, Bay, we do We do love Sadiq. Not sure if people know. But Samuels chipped in seven. Gillespie had eight on 40% three-point shooting, which yeah. is huge. Uh, Hopefully breaking out of that slump a little bit. Cremo hit a three. Shocking. Yeah. So <laughs> Big day. Big I, think day. We should, I think we should tell – we have a bet going on yeah, yeah. amongst our group of friends in that the bet is the over-under was – It was eight, right? Yeah. It was technically seven and a half because eight was uh, a yeah. – Yeah. Technically the over-under was seven and a half. In terms of numerically, how many three-pointers would Joe Cremo hit in the month of March? I took the under. Everyone took the under except me. <laughs> and you might be surprised to hear that I took the over, but I'm just banking on the fact that he's been so bad from deep that he has to get some. So he did hit one yesterday. He got one for you, So which I think... So let's see. Then we've got one more game, one more regular season. We've presumably got at least two games in the Big East. So he's got three games and then at least four. So he's got... Presumably at least five, maybe six games left to do it. Yeah. So he's got to average a bit over one a game. He's, so he's, he's got to step it up. So one was good enough to like at least feel like I'm definitely not going to lose. You've got a shot. Yeah. I've yeah. got a shot. If he has like a St. John's game where he was on a heater and sh- and hit four, which I then think it's going to change like the season cards. high. Yeah. Oh, so, by four. <laughs> so not banking on that. No, on my not end. banking on it. <laughs> but in a given game, if he gets hot, whatever. Yeah, he could have a Jermaine Samuels out-of-body experience. You never know. Right. Well, also, if he play like a like a like a that's low true. team, a low seeded team in the first round. Yeah. It theoretically could be more in his speed, and might that's be true. might be yeah. a little bit better in that type of game. Yeah, bring him back to his comfort zone. That's right. All right. Um, should we switch gears to to Marquette? Yeah, I think we got to get there. So I think the headline for Marquette. And we should make a couple announcements here. The ARF ARF Alpha, Alpha dog. dog of the Week is Jermaine Sanders. Yes. Easily. And while we're giving out awards... We're just going to give him... Shaq Fit Man, Man Play, Play of, of the, the week, week was the dunk down the lane to, to kind of get the scoring started against Marquette. Correct. So Samuels sweeps the awards for the week. Big day. We texted Jermaine about this. He was pretty pumped about it. He's like, hey, man, this means a lot. He's definitely going to, like, print out the DM, put it on his wall. I'm sure it's going to, like, he'll probably send it to his family, like, all that good stuff. That's it's right. a big day. People Jer- really appreciate yeah. these awards. Jermaine Windex Samuels. Yes, that's terrible. I'm sticking with it's it. absolutely terrible. That's it. He has, like, continued to pick up, like, stupid boards numbers. Yes. Yeah. He had 11 in the Butler game. Yeah. And he was good, 29 and 9 yeah. in the Marquette game. Yeah. So... Jermaine has just been like it's crazy to me like the statistic that really just jumps out at me and they kept putting it up yesterday he had 29 points in the Marquette game he had 26 points cumulatively in the previous 10 that's silly and the thing that really just agitate that has to agitate you is what the fuck were we doing for those 10 games that Jermaine averaged 2.6 points a game? Well, it was interesting if you listen to, like, Jay in the post game. I think he made some comment about, like, oh, we had been talking to Jermaine about, like, when to shoot, when not to shoot. So it definitely sounds like there was some element of coaching that made him really hesitant to shoot it. 
That said, I would hope the coaching wasn't that blatant that it's like, don't shoot the ball. Because like, we complained about it many times on this podcast. And you see the difference in the offense, in what we can do, when he's willing to let the ball fly. What did he get? He shot like 13 threes or something like that. <laughs> it was Mark crazy. Yeah. I think he was like 5 for 13. It was, uh, it was really nuts. Like He obviously doesn't need to shoot 13 threes a game. But like if he's shooting four, like three or four a game, that's awesome. Just because it opens up our offense so much. You see the impact on the offense because yeah. in the Butler game, what happened? He didn't get nearly as open. Yeah, he shot one open. Yep. He made relatively good plays on offense. He had seven points. Yeah. Not like crazy. A couple unforced errors. Like it wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't his best game. But because he played well in the Marquette game, now Butler extends their defense out. Yeah. And what happens? Phil Booth, Pascal. Gillespie, etc., now aren't as covered yeah. and can have more open looks. So right. if he catches the ball and then we get a pass, we get a piece of the paint and pass it out, someone's going to be open. Right. And it totally changes the game. And I think the, obviously you can point to a couple of the errors that he made in the Butler game and be like, eh, you know, I wish that didn't happen. That said, I would absolutely take the couple errors for him being aggressive when it makes sense. Like, I want him to shoot the ball. I want him to take the drive. Because then people feel like they actually have to guard him. Otherwise, it's just Dada standing out there. And, you know, no, everybody knows Dada's not driving the lane and shooting. So that's what makes Samuels more dynamic. Yes. And, I mean, we've said this ad nauseum. Jermaine, strong, powerful, athletic, yeah, etc. Use those skills. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, just standing out there and kind of being on the perimeter and not doing anything is just a waste. Yeah, for sure. It's a waste of his skill set. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so that was a huge game. And shockingly, Steve Worcestershire, whatever his name is. <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Steve, <laughs> Steve Sweaty, as we call him, I think. Didn't game plan for Jermaine Samuels knocking down 30 points. Right. So, I mean, look, that was obviously the key to the victory. Without him... We're not even close to sniffing that game. Right. Which is, I mean, for the team, that's a huge fucking game. Like, yeah. that is, like, we're sitting here, what was it? We had three losses in a row, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, now we have to play Marquette? Like, are you kidding me? And right. We talked about it, we said, it could be four, it could have been five. Like, we could have easily lost to Marquette, we could have stumbled into Butler, and then the season's just totally falling apart. Right. And that didn't happen. So it's got to give this team a little bit more confidence to say, like, all right, we got a shot. We can make some noise still. Yes. We can play with the if big If nothing team. else, for the love of God, Jay and Samuels, keep Samuels aggressive. Yeah. His mental state, the, the advice we have to be given him is I would, I, would, I would rather it go to the extent of fucking hubris. Yeah. Than go anywhere the other direction. Well, I'd rather him be overly confident. Which means Jay will inevitably tell Samuels to stop shooting the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like, stop. You know, just just sit on the bench. Yeah. Just sit on the bench. It's fine. It's right. fine. Don't worry about it. I'd rather. I'd rather. I, I honestly would rather that. I'd rather yeah, the over totally aggression. Totally. It makes it, it makes things better. It makes our offense better. Yeah. Because the unsaid piece of that Marquette game, offensively, I want to get to defense in a second. Yeah. Offensively, is that because. Samuels played well, and because of all that, it hid the fact that we actually didn't shoot the ball well in that game. But the biggest difference in Marquette and Butler versus the three games previous, and frankly, a lot of the games earlier in March and in January that we won, Mm. is that our offense looked more like a textbook Villanova offense. Yes, The ball was moving, we got pieces of the paint, we were driving, the passes were crisp, 
We got it right into the shooter's pocket. Everything was in rhythm of the offense. And it just so happened that they didn't go down. Yep, totally. Right. So that was such a key point in that game. It made such a big difference. And you honestly, like, it leads to less runouts. The, the offense can get set. It gives more opportunities for offensive boards because when you see a guy, like, the, the offense, the team knows that when you see a guy get a wide-open look from deep, everyone knows that that shot's going up. Yep. So Jermaine being aggressive and shooting the shot, like, people collapse on the boards. They know what to do. So we get more offensive rebounds. It leads to less runouts. The yeah. team knows to get back, etc. When you're just taking a three and firing it off the bounce or, like, hero ball type shit... Or when Jermaine like when oh. Jermaine doesn't shoot, right? That leads to an opportunity where you got to all of a sudden do it all over again to find an open shooter. Yeah, exactly. and we've talked about that in the past. But thank God, and I hope that it's done. And I have a sense that it is because even in the Butler game, he did pull the trigger a couple of times to shoot and to make a play, etc. So you could see the confidence was there. We just cannot have that go. Yeah. Because I think that'll be such a critical success factor in March. And it's one of these things that you look back on, and I don't want to relive the past too much, but it's like, man, if we had taken this philosophy for the month of January and early February when Samuels wasn't shooting, you wonder, all right, like, could things play, could have things played out a little bit differently? Like, would he, would he have had more confidence even at this point? I don't know. Whatever. Should we talk about defense a little bit? Yes. Uh, can we talk about Sadiq Bey? Yeah, Sadiq Bey is uh, fantastic. Amazing. We talked yes. about, we mentioned him, I don't know, a few podcasts ago, talking about his defensive potential. But man, him on Howard at It's a at total game end, changer. Like, absolutely terrific. He can guard Marcus Howard. Now, it's not like perfect, and we yeah. had a switch, and we have a switching defense and totally. all that. But Jay was clearly, his strategy was Bey yep. and Samuels on Marcus Howard. And Marcus Howard still did some Marcus Howard things, including including traveling like a thousand times and never getting <laughs> called for it, which I posted oh, um, so on our Twitter. Um, and shouts to a friend of the pod, uh, Brian, who graduated in 2008, who sent us those videos um, and pointed me out to it. I got the sense that he was traveling everything and every other time. And some people pointed out that some of the charge calls might have been bad. I think one or two of them we probably got fortunate yeah, on. Yeah. But I think that the calls that Marquette got in that game outweighed it. Like, we won by six, and I think if that whistle was fair, it could have been actually more like 10 or 12. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I think that I think that they got a very, very, very fair whistle in that game. Despite the fact that Big East fans like to think that we get all the calls. Oh my gosh, I know, seriously. Um, but yeah, so Howard obviously did some Howard things. He had 25 points, but... The Housers were thirteen and eight. I mean, not, not bad. crazy, not, not, not crazy, not, but not, not, yeah. yeah, whatever. And then the biggest difference last game to this game was um, Sakar Anum, who was excellent against us last time, and we really focused in on him uh, this time. Yeah, Howard was only four for eleven from three. Like that's pretty good. I mean, it's thirty six percent, but like yeah. That's definitely down from what he normally shoots. So yeah, look, all in all, some of that was luck chucks at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, but. Oh, God, he had that one, like, step-back three that was in the corner. That was unreal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, the takeaway from that is the defense can look good. Sadiq Bey has a very bright future, as as I think we've alluded to yeah. in the past. And I posted this on Twitter, but our Ken Palm adjusted defensive rating, and for those who aren't, like, stat heads, Ken Palm just measures offensive and defensive efficiencies. 
our ranking relative, and he does it for all the teams. So there's 353 teams in Division One. Yeah, our ranking was bad, and it's still not good. Yeah, yeah. but our ranking was like literally like high 80s, low 90s, which is for most of the season, terrible. which is terrible. Yeah. Which is not like doesn't bode well for success. No. In the last two games, which by the way, this is statistical accumulation. Right? In the last two games alone, we're already gotten ourselves into the rank in the top 70 okay. of teams defensively. So go in the right which direction. Is, which is like 20-point jump, which is dramatic. Now, obviously, we're not going to get to like top 10, top 20, top sure. 30. But if we can, like overall for the season, but if we continue to trend in this direction, like we did against Marquette and Butler, like we have a very good chance to win some games in March because defense travels better than offense. And and if this offensive rhythm that we've started to reestablish with with Samuels being more aggressive and Colin kind of getting his shooting form back, hopefully, um, and Booth getting and Pascal getting their legs under them, there is a path for this team to win two games in March. I mean, obviously, if the bracket breaks down well for us three, but sure. we'll just go with yeah, two. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the we'll, second half. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be huge. So, I mean, with that, I think. That really covers. I think so. Yeah. Should we talk quickly about we got Seton Hall coming up this week? We've only got one game. Yeah. So we have a week off, which we've talked about ad nauseum, both yep. on Twitter and and on here, and how big this week off is. And Jay's got to get these guys rested, and obviously, but manage that between rested and staying sharp and not be rusty. Yeah. Um, and I trust Jay to figure that out with Shaq and everyone. They've proven they can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Presumably they're like pretty good at their job. Yeah. So we got <laughs> Seton Hall coming up on Saturday yeah. at noon. They finally announced the game time at noon. It was and so weird. Why did they, they, they hold it all because they want to stack the games That's for what I like figured. implication yeah, and yeah, conference yeah. implications, etc. Yeah, so you're not basically mailing it a game type thing. Right. And they also are guarding against like when are they going to put the games because you got Duke UNC mm, that night. Yeah. Um, and you got all the big games going on. And they want to try and maximize the sure. eyeballs. So, wow, it's nice Fox Sports would actually think about that. Shocking. Yeah, it is shocking. <laughs> it is shocking. Unusual. So, you got Seton Hall who's going to be on the ropes. Yeah. Right? And they are on the ropes. Uh, they just lost at Georgetown. Yeah. Which we'll get to all of this bubbled talk in the second half. But Seton Hall is going to be on the ropes, and they have two games coming up this week that are huge Marquette's visiting them on Wednesday, and we're visiting them on Saturday. Yeah. That's a, that's, I mean, that's an awesome homestand to have it, it, in terms of potential. If you're a team on the bubble trying to get in, the opportunity is right in front of you. Yes, correct. Like, if you win, win those two games, you're in. You're yeah, in. No question. Even at 18 and 12, as bad as that sounds, with the how bad the bubble is and the wins they have, which they would have wins over, again, Kentucky and Maryland, yeah. right, are huge. And you take those two games and you tack on wins against Marquette and Villanova, and all of a sudden that's a solid resume for sure so they're going to be primed to go right that said they could also get crushed by marquette and then come into our game just absolutely defeated which frankly is what i think is going to happen i think we're going to stomp them so i actually think they're going to beat marquette whoa whoa hot take there yes i have a five keep posting i said don't buy your thursday evening tickets Mm. yet because there's a chance that we end up winning this conference are getting the first seat, one seat in the conference. That'd be crazy. I don't think that there's a pathway for us to actually outright win solo the Big East regular season conference. But I, but Marquette only has, if we win on Saturday, Marquette only has to lose once. They're playing at Creighton today as we speak. 
um, which it's three o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but Marquette has two big games coming up against um, obviously Seton Hall, and and then they have Georgetown at home. I don't think Georgetown's going to beat them at home. I think they're going to win these two games at home. But at Seton Hall, they could just run into a kind of like run into a, a truck that is just like we have to win this game, desperation time, etc. All their fans behind us. I think they're going to beat Marquette, feel good about themselves, and then and then we're going to play a tight game, but we're going to end up pulling it out against All right. them. Two, so di- I, two different takes. I yeah. I have no faith in Kevin Willard. I think he's lost. He's got he passed the point. He lost the team for the year. I think they're going to mail it in. Yeah. All right. All right. Should we take a break? Uh, yeah, so let's take a break, and then um, we'll be back after this. Cool. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout-out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, novainsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear also, look out. We're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 Podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Full 40 with Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. So, we're going to start the second half here with the heart monitor. Yes. We haven't done a heart monitor in a while. And you know why? Because our guys have been kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to talk about bad things, yeah. so we don't. Yeah, yeah, so we just avoid it. <laughs> yeah, we pretend it doesn't exist. Right, which is the best thing about the NBA, is that we can only cherish our players when they play well. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we're not, we can ignore them when we want to. Um, and then, and then we're going to talk Big East and the you know, and not seeding in the conference tournament because there's just so much up for grabs. But in the NCAA's and what we're what to look forward to and kind of like a rooting guide in the next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, so maybe let's start with the heart monitor. But continuing our theme of talking about things or not talking about things that aren't going well, we're not going to talk about Josh Hart because the Lakers blow. Yes, and Josh Hart has been in. A slump. His minutes have decreased. Recently, they've picked up a little bit. But Josh is Josh could use some improvement. So, best wishes to Josh out there as he tries to lead LeBron and the Lakers to the right. playoffs. Right. Correct. Uh, I think the big thing that is that they're missing on that team. I actually think that they need a guy like a Josh Hart. They don't make winning plays. Well, they have a Josh Hart on the team, unfortunately. No, they need to play him. <laughs> Is my point. Fair. <laughs> if only they had Josh Hart. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> they need Walton. to play their Josh Hart. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll DM Luke Walton and tell him to do that. Though Luke will probably be out of a job soon, so not That's a big correct. deal. Anyway, so back to some of our guys who have been playing well. Let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Brunson, who the other day, I think it was a career high, Dropped 24 points on like 8 of 12. Oh, no, sorry. It was 24 on 9 of 14 shooting. So huge. huge. I mean, Jalen is now in the starting lineup for the most part with the Mavs. Like we talked about before, he's going to get the shot. He's broadly made the most of it. And the Mavericks as a whole have actually been playing much better. And they've actually they've got a, a chance at the playoffs if my stats are correct. Uh, unfortunately, he followed up that 9 for 14 
game with a 1-for-10 game, but those things happen. And it seemed like his whole team was actually in a bit of a slump there. But anyway, look, headline is Jalen is doing well, proving himself to be more than a capable player in the NBA as we expected. He got a shot. He's making the most of his shot. He's doing Jalen Brunson things. Right. I love it. Yeah, Jalen's playing well. Rick is probably, I don't know, maybe not upset. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, Jim, that's, that's all right. That's all right. Um, Arch has been awesome. Arch has been, so Arch has been interesting. The past couple games, he's he's been, he's definitely had a good performance the past couple games. His minutes initially went down when Chris Dunn came back and he took a little bit more of a backseat. That said, they've absolutely picked back up the past few games. And he had 10 points last game on 3 of 5. He had 10 and 6 on 3 of 5 shooting. Game before, he had... 12 on 5 of 6 shooting in just 17 minutes. So, like, hyper-efficient performance there, which is awesome. Um, He looks great. He's got, like, a tight... He's got a little tighter fade going on, which I like. But the dude needs to get some hairspray. So, like, he's going for... I see the look he's going for, and it's great. But he's got a lot of... It's almost like he's going for this, like, suave Italian... Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I, I see it. Athlete look. Yeah, I see it. And he's got plenty of hair gel in, but he needs the hairspray because at the end of every game, no, at the end of like the first quarter, the hair is already flopping down in his face. If you guys know Rob, Rob is the expert on this. Rob uses a shitload of product. A shitload of product. Like right. if you lit a match near my hair, my head would just catch on fire. That's correct. Like without a doubt. So Rob is like, this might be the one thing that Rob is has the most most authority to speak on <laughs> yes. in the history of this podcast. I think that's absolutely right. <laughs> yes. And I kid you not, folks, I have DM'd Arch to be like, yo, man, you need to use hairspray. We joke about DMing players a lot. I have actually done this. Shockingly, <laughs> he did not respond. <laughs> but anyway. Arch, if you're listening to this, <laughs> yeah. Rob is not just some fucking weirdo. He is a weirdo. I just said just some fucking weirdo. Yeah. He actually has good advice on this. So he's a weirdo with a purpose. And I'm actually sitting here in Arch's city jersey, which is pretty awesome, as we've discussed before. So look, Arch is, the minutes are up, the performance is broadly up, like, shot selection's good, he's shooting really well, even on limited shots, like, kudos to him. He is absolutely earning his money. I'm hoping he plays, he's been playing well enough to get another shot next year at the Bulls. We'll see. I think he will. I mean, that'd be exciting. Like, especially because, like, it's a guy, you know, two years ago, nobody was talking about him in the NBA. And he slogged through years in the G League. And... Has so many bed bug bites. Oh, my God, that's so true. He is probably just, like, probably, like, they made a home, like, in his nice apartment now. They probably just came with him because they don't leave. They don't leave. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like it's awesome to see him really making the most of this and probably earning a second NBA contract, which is super legit. Um, so we got Arch there. Mikhail, uh, definitely playing a ton with the Suns. Shots, I would say, are tend to be pretty limited, but he's been playing well, plays super well defensively, and the Suns actually just had uh, a couple of nice wins, actually. So kudos to Mikhail, continuing to make some noise he's on... He's the rookie's steals leader. Yeah, like hyper-specific stat. That's like an ESPN stat. He, he has the most steals of like rookies, rookies who are above six foot seven and have <laughs> like three left toes. I don't it know. doesn't surprise it you does, to hear no, that. No, it's, it's stupid. With his Inspector Gadget arms. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. 
so anyway, so Mikhail doing Mikhail things um, and still eating lots of Chipotle, which is great. I see that on the Insta all the time. It's important. It is important. Um, he probably needs to still put on like some bulk onto his frame. So their coaching staff's probably like, yeah, dude, just keep going to just Chipotle. Just eat as much rice and meat <laughs> as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Get, you will get no vegetables. I need to be on that Shaq Fit plan. That's right. Um, all right, so that's Mikhail. And then the guy we always skip over, Kyle. Kyle. Kyle's just been, so the Raptors continue to kill it, and Kyle is playing a critical role, as you'd expect. He made... Along with Kawhi. Along, yeah, for sure. I mean, that dude is playing amazingly. Um, but anyway, Kyle's just been great. He had 19-10-7 last game, and two games prior to that had 19-10-4. So, like, he is spreading the ball around, dishing out the assists to Kawhi, leading that team to what is hopefully a run at the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe actually a spot in in the finals overall where they will inevitably play the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. The, the East is an interesting place this year because you have, te- you have a few teams that really have a shot. Like the 76ers are, are pretty sick. Yeah. Um, the Bucks. The Bucks are in, the Bucks are in first. Right. Of which Dante is leading the team in not playing. Yeah. <laughs> He, he, in his defense, he's he's been hurt. Yes. He's been hurt. He's been working his way back from injury and getting some bed bugs as well. And yeah, definitely getting some bed bugs. The, but he's not going to sniff the floor this year. And the, just to backtrack here, we've mentioned the bed bugs. Rob, we made a joke that in the G League you stay at bed bug written hotels because like you do several games ago. So we've just established the fact that NBA G League players have bed bugs. That's probably why Omari lost his weight so quickly. Because when the Hawks sent him back down to the G League, he's like, shit, man, there are so many bed bugs here. I need to lose this weight so I can get back up. That's right. Good motivation. Good motivation. Absolutely. That's true. And he did lose a lot of weight, so good for him. Chef is killing it in the G League. Chef is actually killing it in the G League. Yeah, yeah. At this point, he just lives with bed bugs. They're like his best friend. Yeah. He high fives them when he walks in the door. (laughs) He does. He does. But he performs very well. Sick game. (laughs) Thanks, bed bugs. Thanks, bed bugs. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> um, Terrible. But I think that's I think those are most of our guys. So yeah, Kyle's doing great things. Oh, you started talking about the East. If you oh any well, no, just the Celtics have been weird because everyone thought that the Celtics were going to be the team this year in the East, and they've been in, like disarray. Oh yeah, they're an absolutely hot mess at this yeah. point. So I'm pretty sure you and I could take on the Celtics if we uh, <laughs> played them. We, like we would literally take them on. We would get destroyed. But right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. I think that's enough heart monitor for now. Headline is. Guys are doing well, making some noise. Villanovans in the league, getting shit done. Yeah, and especially in the month of March, it's going to really turn up. And if you get like a uh, little pangs for some Villanova basketball when we're not on, and sure. you know that there's whole midweeks where, or early in the week when there's not going to be any games. You want to get some Villanova basketball fix? A, just re-listen to all of our podcasts, obviously, and B, put on the NBA. And check it out because the games are really turning up and the energy and enthusiasm is turning up as teams try to make gear themselves up for their playoff run and get their seating right. And there's also entertaining stuff because a lot of teams like the Knicks are trying to tank their way all the way That's to true. getting Zion. Yes, I am. So, and if you're really desperate for Villanova basketball, you could turn on Fox Sports. But that's a that's an off chance because they really don't do anything yeah, with yeah, the Villanova assets. They're terrible, Awful. as we've established. All right. Let's talk about the Big East. Ta-da-da. Let's do it. And... Seth Davis just released a great quote on Twitter. He goes, does any team in the Big East actually want to make the NCAA tournament? No. No. And the answer is no. Other than Villanova and Marquette, no team seems to want to make the NCAA tournament. 
as we say this, St. John's just lost by nine at DePaul in a game. Look, do I think St. John's is going to win or get into the NCAA tournament even if they lose out? Yes, the bubble is that bad. That's it. But St. John seems determined to test that fact. Chris Mullen is the worst coach in the history of the Big East. Boo. Wow. In the history of the Big East. He's done... I would say that there has to be some DePaul coaches who fit in there. I will say this. He's done so little with actual amounts of talent on his team, that makes him the worst coach ever. DePaul never really has any talent. And somehow, they just beat Chris Mullen today. Fair. Like, it's absolutely abysmal. Right. And look, DePaul is a much improved DePaul. And there's still a DePaul that's in last place. And the Struce was very loose today. 43 points. Bam. Killed it. But St. John's is like the next team down. Their net ranking, and that's the new RPI effectively, and it's smarter and better and whatever. But St. John's' net ranking is 58, which is like definitionally a bubble team. Right. But because of their win total and their wins over Marquette, two over Marquette, and a win over us, and their, as I said, their overall win total and some of their margins of victory in, earlier in the season— they're still going to get in, and they're and they're like a consensus nine seed before this DePaul game. Maybe yeah. they drop down to a ten. It was an away game. It's a quad two game. It's not the worst loss in the world, but in a game where you're just like looking for that one more game to get your locked bid, yeah, it's just crazy. And then they have this whole week off, and then they play at Xavier, who is on fire. Yes, and them in themselves would left for dead months ago have been on a absolute heater. Yeah have a legitimate shot to kind of work their way back in onto the bubble. They're they're a ways away. They're a ways ways away, away. but have a chance. In in their mind, you're right, in their mind, that's what they're playing for, so they are going to want to win that game. Correct. Because they they see a path. They see a path to maybe making the Big East Conference Championship, not winning it, and still getting invited to the tournament. Right. Long shot. Long shot here, to be clear. No question, but that's that's what Travis Steele has got them working. Travis Steele. Right. Xavier is now in the top four in the conference, as is Georgetown. Also weird. Yeah. Very strange. This conference is a fucking dumpster fire. God, that right? is really bad. But the, So St. John's is going to—they're playing at Xavier at the Sinta Center, and as we saw, not a great place to play if you're not really good. Y- yeah, definitely. Because right. it's so dark, you can't yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. So St. John's is not going to have an easy time. Winning another game until hopefully their first round game of the NC of the um sorry of the Big East tournament, yeah. which might become, depending on how things shake out of the bubble, a must win. I still Yikes. think that they're going to get in, even Could, if they it, lose out. Yeah, I was going to say so if they lose out, so say they lose to Xavier and then they lose their first round lose, game. I still think they get in. I think they're still they're yeah. I think they're at worst um, a first four game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and I think that they're a first four game because. The first four is all about eyeballs. Mm. Like, everyone says, like, oh, who deserves to be in, whatever. When it shakes down to it, they care about teams with, like, interest. Yeah. And they have enough national interest, and their season's been so up and down and shaky, and you can justify getting them in, that that's probably the worst that they end up as. Right. One more win, though, and they're probably even out of that. But, yeah, so basically we're at the point where we're in, Marquette's in, in St. John's is is basically in. Yeah. And then... Then you've got a host of other teams that... Yeah, so let's let's know. cast aside a couple teams, barring a win of the Big East Tournament. Providence, and same with DePaul. Yeah, they're out. And by the way, it wouldn't shock me if either of those teams got to the Big East Championship game, because that's how much of a cluster mm. the Big East 
conference has been this year. Yeah. So those three teams are assertively out. Butler, I just don't understand how Butler continues to be on the bubble. And so for that reason, I am declaring Butler out. They will not make the NCAA tournament no, they're basically, unless they they're basically win nobody's the conference bracket. tournament. They're basically out. They're in nobody's bracket or barely anybody's bracket. They have a decent – they have a 60 net rating, etc. But they're fucking out. I, that team sucks. Yeah, they suck. Okay. So that leaves you with Georgetown, Xavier, and Seton Hall. But realistically, this comes down to Seton, Seton Hall, Hall is basically – if they – hopefully if – well, actually, you know, they have an interesting week. But right now, they're one of the last teams in. Right. They're one of the last teams in at this point. I would guess that right now, if the season ended today, St. John's would be a 10 seed and Seton Hall would be in the first four. Yeah. And I think Miles that's Powell it. is enough, and their wins over Kentucky yeah. and Maryland are enough to get them into that first but four. But that's it. You, you but got four. That's it. That's it. If if they win, if Seton Hall wins against Marquette and Villanova, I think that – sorry, Marquette or Villanova, I think that they're probably safe if they get their first-round game in mm-hmm, the Big East tournament mm-hmm. and win that game. If they win both, then they're good. They're yeah, not going to sure, miss it if sure. they win both with their quality wins. But Xavier is kind of whatever, and Georgetown is an interesting discussion. No, I think, I think both these – look, I haven't seen these guys on any brackets. They basically need to win the tournament to get in. I think there's no, there's no chance. I wouldn't say no chance. If they make it to this Big East sem- if they win, make it to the Big East semifinal or the championship game and don't win the Big East tournament, they could find their way in. Xavier and Georgetown both. Georgetown has enough numerical wins to do it. So, I mean, I- look, it's a weird thing. We have a lot of teams. Like, the whole team, the whole conference is living bubble out. Yeah. Let's talk about us, though. So, we've got – so, realistically, right now, we're at – we're penciled in as a sixth seed at this point. On most right. brackets, we're a six seed, which to me, I was like, frankly surprised about. I was like, all right, great. So, I mean, I think the, the Marquette win definitely helped that, right? So we're at a six, which means we're in the six versus 11 game. And then win that, we would play whoever the three seed is, right? Yeah. How high do you think we can realistically go in terms of seeding, though? I think the three seed's out of the question at this point. I don't think – we could if we win out, do you get to, do you get to 26 and 8? So I think I think the way to do it is like if we look at teams that are ahead of us, right? So look at the teams that are on like the five line, which is like Wisconsin, Iowa State, K State, Nevada. So Wisconsin and Iowa State are trending down. Yep. K State's not gonna K State's gonna stay ahead of us, definitely. They're I would like think so. one They're of the top teams in the Big team, Twelve, yeah. which is a great conference. Um, Nevada lost again, and they really don't have good wins. No, they have no good wins. They so have if, no quadrant one wins. So if they pick up if they pick up another couple losses, like basically if they don't win their tournament and they pick up another loss before the we tournament, could jump them, we could yes. definitely jump them. Yeah. So and then and then so the five seed's definitely in play. I think the five seed is in play, but I think realistically, like we've got to get some help on that, and we've got to we've got to obviously make a run in our tournament. The four seed, I don't think the four seed's going to happen. Who we got on the four line? The four line, you've got. This has Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech's, no, Texas probably Tech's a three. gonna be a three. But you've got Marquette, Vatech, Florida State. So I don't know. There's a Florida State, they could fall apart for sure. That team I'm really not convinced is very good. So that's a possibility. Marquette, you know, obviously we have some things could happen there, but I don't see us. If we down. get to the conference championship and beat them on a neutral and they lose this week, yeah. You could make the argument that we could jump them. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. But they have a better resume. Yeah. But I think realistically what we're saying is that we've got a shot at a five, and I think that's I think that's what you 
the best you hope for, really. Yeah, if you go four out, 26 and eight, you might get the four line if certain, certain, certain things break the right way. you got to have a lot of help because we didn't even get the four look when they did the midseason release. Yes. And we were ranked 14th at that point. Right. So I don't think I don't think our standings improve. So we need a lot of help if you're going to try and make the. Right. I'm just assuming that there's going to be losses. You got to have a lot of losses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think realistically, Kansas is the one that's in a three line right now that could fall behind. Yeah. So then, so then let's talk about who do you want to who do you want as your three? Assuming we win our first game. So some of the three seeds. You're assuming we're a six seed. Assuming we're a six seed. Yeah. And some of the teams on the three line, you've got like Houston, Purdue, LSU, Kansas, Kansas. You mentioned. Who do you want to play? Who do you not want to play? Well, assertively, I want to play Kansas. It would be, be fun. If I had to choose my opponent, Kansas has just been just crushed with injuries. Yep. Um, no Vic. No Vic. NCAA rulings working against them, etc. That's like a weakened, like a weakened, uh, like a weakened animal. Yeah, it's a weird team. And there's, we would have some revenge on mind. Yep. We only lost by a few points at their house. Like I think it's very feasible that we can win that game. I think so. In yeah. in a round of thirty two game, we happen to have their number in March. We we do. Jay uh, Wright owns Kansas in March. Yeah. So I probably would invite the Kansas game, but it depends. If Kansas has got a super home court advantage again, like like they would probably be in like mm. something like Kansas City or yeah, some yeah, bullshit yeah. like that. Like then it could be a different game. But compared to the other th- possible three seeds that you mentioned. I think Purdue is in there. I don't want any bit of yeah, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue scares me. You've got Carson Edwards is really – he got, can really got go Matt off. Harms. Harms is pretty We good. have no answer for any guy like Harms or any tall guy like that who's actually talented. Yeah. And then who are the other ones you mentioned? So we've got Houston in there who just picked up a loss last night and then LSU. Houston's like so well coached. I know they picked up a loss, but I think that was kind of like a wake-up call loss. Mm. I think Houston's excellent. I think Houston – I mean Houston was, if you remember, Houston was literally like – a buzzer beater, deep three from Jordan Poole away from being yeah, a Sweet right. Sixteen right. team last year, and changing the total outcome of that tournament. Yeah, and well, it wouldn't have changed the final outcome. No, it wouldn't have changed the final sure. outcome, but it would have changed who we played. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that Houston, like I think that they're primed for like a Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight run this yeah. year, and I think that. People are underestimating right them right now. Not that I love the AAC, but I think that people are underestimating. Them. Yeah, yeah, they should have enough pieces there that it, it's it's going to be. A and tough I think team. Kelvin Sampson's done just an absolute hell of a job this year. Yeah, I think frankly the the committee, if it comes down to it, I think the committee will put us with Kansas just because they they want the story. It's a it's a nice story if they can make it work. It's fun. Yeah, you don't usually see them do that, but they. Oh, might that's do. bullshit! They absolutely do all that stuff. No, no, Come no, no. On. no, no, no. They don't usually like to pit teams that early in this in the in the tournament against teams that have played each other in a year. If it happens in the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight, they don't usually give a shit. Sure. They usually try and avoid that though. But you're right. I get your point that they might try and do it there because it'll be an easy ratings win. There are always you look at you look at the how they do these matchups and there are all the rules and you're right. There are all these principles around it and then there are always a number of those games every year where you're like, oh yeah, they picked that intentionally. That's the matchup that they wanted. Right. Whether it's the first round game or the second round game, they're absolutely thinking through that. Yeah, yeah. They, a couple of years ago, they Kentucky, Indiana, they made them play. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, yeah. come on. Like, this is, it's so clear what they're trying to do. So, I would love to see that. I'm with you. I want to play Kansas again. I think we'd beat them. It would just be fun to play them again. Of the good Big 12 teams, I think Kansas is the one that I'd want to play the most. Yeah. They do not have stuff figured out at this point. Right. 
Cool. All right. So we've got that. So that's realistically. I think. Where do you think we're going to wind up, though? I think actually going to wind up on the five line. I think we'll end up at six. Okay. Yeah. We haven't I, been a six seed since I've been aware of Villanova basketball, which goes back to 05. We've been a one, a two, a three, a five. We've been an eight, a nine, yeah, and a 12. But I've never seen Villanova be a six seed. There you go. So Some, there's a first time for new. everything. Something new. That's yeah. clearly what Jay Wright was shooting for with this season. He's like, I want to be a six seed because we've never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's how he sets his goals. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> exactly right. Oh, too good. All right, but yeah, I think realistically we end up as a six. I just where do you think Marquette winds up? I think a three. I think they'll wind up on the three line, or do you think they fall back to a four? I think they. I think it depends. I think if they win the tournament, they win the Big East tournament. They'll be a three. If not, they'll be a four. I don't know because they won. Th- they were a three seed in the bracket reveal. Yeah, and they beat us in between. Yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. So, we'll see. We'll see. All right, good stuff to look out for. All right, I don't think I have anything else. We got the Seton Hall game in a week. We got a week off. I I, I feel much better a week later than I did last week. Yeah, that's for sure. What um, a difference a week can make. All right, so we have one more game in the regular season, and then the Big East tournament and an NCAA tournament. Before we let everyone go, we'll do this prediction every week mm. for the next couple of weeks. Where is this team going to finish in the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament? Um, Big East tournament, I think we're going to lose in the semifinals. Do you have a team that you have in mind or no? Um, I could see us, I don't even know how the bracket plays out, but I could see us losing to like Xavier again. Some shit like that. Okay. Yeah. But semifinal loss. Okay. And then NCAAs. NCAAs, um, second round loss. (laughs) I've never seen us lose in the second round. Never happens. Yeah. (laughs) Never happens. All right. Um. I think we're going to lose in the finals to Marquette. I think they're gonna. I think the Big East is gonna mm. finally get that one-two matchup that they've be been nice. looking for forever. Yeah. And I think we're gonna lose in the finals to Marquette. I think it's gonna be a Marcus Howard show. I think it's gonna be Marquette's announcement to the world that they're for real, uh, neutral court stage, big stage, MSG, etc. They're gonna get that one-two matchup because. There's going to be chaos. DePaul's going to be in the semifinals or some bullshit like that. <laughs> Ed Cooley, Providence going to be there oh, too God. or something. Something crazy is going to happen with that. And But then all of a sudden you're going to have big um, Villanova and Marquette in the, semi, in the finals, and I think they're going to get it, and I think Marquette's going to get us. All right. And then – and then I think we're going to – I don't know why I just think we're going to make the Sweet 16 this year. All right. I just have it in my head. Obviously, when the bracket comes out, I'll revise my statement. Sure. But – Going to knock off Kansas. But I think we're going to make the Sweet 16 <laughs> this year because I just think it's just going to break out in our favor. That would be nice. It would be nice to have that happen for once. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. That's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a week after the Big East regular season wraps up. Again, appreciate you listening. Stick with, with us. It is March, and it's an exciting time. Thanks. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.